Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School where we are plowing through the book of Genesis where we have defined the book of Genesis with one word because remember this, for all 66 books we're going to give one word that we believe points to the Messiah. The seed of the woman uh, is pointing to Christ. Not the seed of the serpent that's found in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 but the seed of the woman that is found all throughout, yes, Genesis through Revelation. And so we're excited because... Here we are in Lesson 19, digging into Genesis 36 and 37. Now, when you go to Genesis 36, when you go to Genesis 36, 43 verses, what you have here is the, the lineage of Esau. So when it wasn't Jacob, okay, we know then that that led to Esau. In fact, hang on here, let me do this. Okay, we know that it went to Esau. Why that's important is, is that if the seed is going to come through this little group, when you look at Esau's lineage, you guys, it's nonstop. In fact, one through eight, it talks about Esau's three wives and five sons. Okay. Now, yeah, you can say, well, Jacob had four wives, but uh, Jacob's lineage doesn't even compare to Esau. In fact, verses nine through fifth, uh, nine through 14, then Esau has talks about his five sons and 10 grandsons. Then in verses 15 through 19, it talks about the chiefs that are political and military from Esau. In verses 20 through 30, I know I'm going fast, but I'm doing this for a reason. There's a chief of the Horites that come from the Edomites that married uh, international folks, okay? Intermarried, not international, but they intermarried. And then in 31 through 39, you have all of the kings of Edom. And then in verses 40 through 43, you have the final lists of the chiefs. It's crazy to me, but the lineage of Esau... It just looks like it's an ongoing list of, of an entire chapter. And yet here's something that Dr. Tom Constable says. You have this little list of Jacob and then you have this massive list of Esau. Constable says secular greatness developed, uh, as secular greatness developed, it also fostered the spiritual greatness as well. So even though secular is taking place, it doesn't mean that the spiritual side is not happening as well. So I just, I want to give you an illustration, and I know I didn't write any names down, but this is really all of chapter 36. All right, so having said that, that is your backdrop. God is still going to keep his promises. Even though it looks more promising for Esau, God is still going to keep his promises here in uh, the 12 tribes. And so if you would go to Genesis 37, verse 1. Scripture says this, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. So he was living at the time in Hebron. And then it says in verse 2. So this is kind of your transition, okay? Uh, in verse 2 it says, they, these are the family records of Jacob. All right, well, this will be interesting. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man, now when, we, when I say Joseph, you guys, and it says his sheep with his brothers, the reason I wanted to write these names down, this is who you should be thinking about. Okay, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, Benjamin. They're all going to be working together. That's an interesting dynamic. The young man was working with the sons of Billah and Zilpah. So specifically, okay, he's only working right now with Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. This is the practicality of what happens. The young man was working with these sons, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. He's, he's telling on people, says he's bringing a bad report about this uh, to other people. Now, whatever news that Joseph was going to tell his father, it was going to bring a damaged report to these four guys. Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, 
yeah, they're going to have a bad label. And so I'm interested about whether or not that was wise. If you go to Proverbs 12, verse 23, there's a fine line about rat fink and tell on people or not. And so in Proverbs 20, 12, verse 23, it, it says this, and I'm intrigued by this. I've been processing this. A shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stu- stupidity. You know, I don't know if, if Joseph is actually a foolish heart at this time saying these guys are doing stupid stuff. Like, I don't know, when you guys see this in comparison to what Joseph did, you guys have any comments on this? Kevin, what's your first thought that comes to your mind? Tattletale. A tattletale. And so in this process, he's telling on them. Then it goes to verse 3. Now, Israel, remember, not Jacob, but Israel, same guy though. Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. <laughs> well, maybe it's because he's telling on Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. I mean, that would kind of create favoritism, which favoritism we all know, parental favoritism, is never good. So Joseph, though, was born to him in his old age. And he made a robe of many colors for him. Now, okay, let's just, let's just, I've always wanted to do this. Okay, so now here you have Joseph in this coat of many colors. So his father custom made this robe. So this man of old age is like, hey, I like this guy. So then in verse four, Kevin, if you would go there, uh, Genesis 37, four, when his brother saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. So now we're not just talking Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, but it says all, they recognize that he, Joseph loves it. Joseph was loved more than anybody. Okay. Scripture just says, it says they hated him and could not bring them spell, bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. It's an interesting picture, but I have to tell you, it's pretty real. So real that in verse five, then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. You wonder if Joseph is this guy that's just kind of clueless. Like if he's in his own world, hey, I wonder if these guys really hate me. Hey, can I tell you a dream that will hate you me some more? I mean, that's exactly what he's doing. First of all, there's one dream. Okay. So he reveals two dreams. The first dream, he says in verse seven of Genesis 37, they, there were, there we were. And he's talking about his brothers binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered all around it and bowed to my sheaf. Now, (laughs) do you remember the, the colorful jacket right here? His brothers hate him already. Conflict is there. Darkness is there. Anger is there. He says, oh, by the way, guys, I had a dream and you were bowing down to me. Well, after that, that didn't go so well. In verse 8, it says, Are you really going to reign over us, his brothers asked us? Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what they said. So the hatred is like picking up. I didn't even know that was possible. Well, he had another dream in verse 9, and he decided to tell his brothers again. Oh, Joseph. And this time, the dream says in in verse 9, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. So now it's not just my brothers. It's not just the sheaves. It's a whole family. The sun represents the father. The moon represents the mother. And then you have the 11 stars. So guess what? In the second verse, everybody's bowing down to me again. And he told his fathers in verse 10 and his brothers, but his father this time, Jacob, Israel, it says that he rebuked him. What kind of dream is that that you've had? He said, are your mother and brothers and I going to come down and bow to the ground before you? That's silly. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's implying. And then he gets into, uh, in verse 11, his brothers were jealous of him 
But his father kept the matter in mind. So now also, I want to just add this language here. Jealousy has kicked in as well. So you have jealousy, conflict, darkness, anger, all towards Joseph. But yet for some reason over here, Israel, okay, or Jacob, I'm going to put this in the back of my mind. I don't know what it means, but I'm okay. It's here. So let's just keep building this story. His brothers had gone to the pasture, their father's flocks at Here it is, Shechem. All right, here we go. In verse 13, Israel said to Joseph, as the brothers were were gone. Now remember in Shechem, that's where Dinah got raped, okay? So there's a lot there. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers you know are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. I think there's a lot to that little line. I'm ready. In verse 14, then Israel said to him, remember, he's not saying Jacob, he's saying Israel. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent them from the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now, this part to me is super weird, okay? The distance between Hebron to Shechem is at least anywhere from 50 to 60 miles. It's a three-day travel. I want you to go for three days and, oh, by the way, just Go check on your brothers and the flocks and just come back and, hey, would you report how they're doing? Right? So here's what happens. So there is, um, he's got three days travel. All right. And so in verse 15, a man found him there wandering in the field. (laughs) He's just like, hey, where is everybody? And then this guy's like, hey, what you looking for? You know what I mean? Like it's a full on strange sitcom that's starting to happen. And he goes, oh, I'm, in verse 16, I'm looking for my brothers. <laughs> you seen them? Can you tell me where they're pasturing their flocks? Pasturing, pasturing. And it just kind of gets interesting because in verse 17, now I will tell you this, okay? I, before we move on, go to Psalm 105, verse 17, if you would, Kevin. Psalm 105, verse 17, I actually, it's this important scripture. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. I think that... um you know, Joseph was always being sent. That's the mentality. He's always being sent. And so there's the first sent. I'm being, I'm sending you into the wilderness. That's going to make you uncomfortable. I want you to go to places that's not going to be good. And then eventually he's obviously thrown into a pit. We'll get into all that. But in the, in the psalmist even talk about Joseph being sent. So now here's the question. Okay. Why was, and I think these are good questions that uh, one commentator says, why was Jacob's sons pasturing flocks 50 miles away? They could have picked any any pastor, you guys, you know this. They didn't have to go 50 to 60 miles. There's another question. Why would they return to a dangerous area in Shechem? And then the other one is, is why did Jacob send Joseph alone in his jacket? There's different scenarios here that I think all build to what the, the brothers, I think there's a lot more here than what we know. So here we go. He's looking for his brothers. In verse 17, the unknown man says, they've moved on from here. The man said, I've heard them say, let's go to Dotham. And so Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. It doesn't say he complained. It doesn't say, oh, God, I just came three days. I mean, this is another day's journey, about 13 miles north of Shechem. So they moved. Joseph just says, all right, let's go. And he's, he's wearing his, he's wearing his robe, Rich. He's wearing his, he's wearing his robe. <laughs> right? All right. So he's got his colorful robe on. That was probably the weirdest thing I've done in a long time. All right, so then the brothers in verse 18, okay, the 11 brothers, they saw him in distance, and before he had reached them, hey, they plotted to kill him. 
All right, so they see the robe, probably because of the robe. <laughs> you know, whoa, 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 Joseph is coming in the house. You know, and then before he even reached him, they had this conversation. All of the brothers had a conversation. Hey, let's kill him. Who starts that kind of conversation? Well, if there's jealousy, conflict, darkness, and anger, Jesus even said that's already murder. It's already in their hearts. And so then it continues on into verse, uh, verse 19. Now, I want to say this. This is, I, I don't want to, this is a, maybe the biggest statement of today. You ready? Constable said, maybe the brothers wanted to alter the will of God as revealed in Joseph's dreams against the divine power himself. Well, in verse 19, maybe that proves it. Here comes that dreamer. Well, let's just take care of that dream. Let's not even give God a chance to do that. And so scripture continues on in verse 20. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these, one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. You know, there's a couple of different things that you can point out here. Uh, 13, well, the dream, first of all, that he released uh, 13 years later, the dreams that got him thrown into the pit, 13 years later are the dreams he got to interpret dreams that got him out. So dreams threw him in and dreams got him out. So like God uses everything. And then these brothers, this whole language of let's kill him, it makes me think of the two famous brothers. The first murder, Kevin, ever in scripture was what? Cain and Abel. Yes, Kevin, you nailed it. So yeah, Cain and Abel, that same language of let's kill him. Let's bring him out into the field. It's the same image, that same mentality where nobody else can see him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns that could be anywhere from six to 20 feet deep. You know, there's not going to be any water there, but do you also know who also got thrown into a cistern in a pit? Anybody in the Old Testament? Can you remember? Jeremiah 38, 6. Kevin, if you'll go there. Same mentality of, okay, let's throw him into one of these pits. So they took Jeremiah. They dropped him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the guard's courtyard, lowering Jeremiah with ropes. There was no water in the cistern, only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. Same mentality, you guys. This is exactly what happens to Joseph in Genesis 37. Now, as this conversation happens, okay, uh, in verse 27, I'm sorry, Kevin, verse 21, Genesis 37, verse 21, when Reuben, now... (laughs) Now, the second, before I even know what Reuben's going to say, I'm like, oh, this is Reuben, the firstborn. We know what he did with Billa, and we know Reuben's not so smart. But yet, this time he says he tried to save him from them. And Reuben actually said, let's not take his life. What do you got, Rich? I just think it's kind of the same thing when his father Jacob was sending a bunch of stuff to Esau. And like, hey, I'm trying to, I'm going to try and uh, make up for all the bad that I've done. So you think this is just a... Yep, I think he's just trying to make up for the wrong that he did to his dad. All right, so let's just keep going on. In verse 22, it says this. Reuben also said to them, okay, let's not take his life. Don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. And it says the purpose behind this was intending to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. Rich, ding, 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 ding. I think that's why you're right. And the reason is, is that, look, he he needs to score some good points with Jacob. We already know he hasn't been blessed. We already know in Genesis 49, it doesn't look good for Reuben because he said, you've laid in my own bed. How dare you? And so now if he can spare Joseph, that actually might help. In verse 23, though, there was no introductions. There was no conversations. The robe of many colors that he had on. And then verse 24, 
Then they took them, they threw them into the pit. And then in verse 25, the scripture just continues. And they sat down to eat a meal. (laughs) Well, this Papa John sure is good. How you doing down there, Joseph? I mean, these guys are heartless. And I'll tell you this, when you have a hardened heart, you'll do anything. And I'll tell you, we've already referenced this a couple days, but in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, if you'll, if you'll go there, Kevin, Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9, it talks about the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You guys, I'm telling you, when you think of jealousy, conflict, dark, anger, they, they didn't want anything to do with Joseph. And the craziest thing is, is that at the next time that they have a meal together is when Joseph saves their rear. It's pretty wild to think here that he is in a pit. They're sitting up there eating Papa John's and whatever else they can. And they don't even care. I want to go there to Genesis 42, verse 21. Genesis 42, 21 talks about, though, even amidst this, this dialogue, it says, Then they said to each other, it is plain that we are being punished for what we did. So now they're interacting, okay? They're having a conversation about what they did to their brother. We saw his deep distress. And when he pleaded with us, when he was in the pit, in the cistern, we're sitting having a meal, we wouldn't listen. That's why this trouble has come to us. The brothers are processing because they're looking back, they're thinking back, their conscience is taking them to that pit uh, when they heard Joseph cry out and they chose to do nothing. Genesis 37, verse 25, after they're eating their meal, they looked up and there's a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic, aromatic gum, gum, balsam and resin. I wonder if they talked about not swallowing gum back then. (laughs) They blow bubbles? Yeah. Don't swallow this for seven years. Balsam and resin going down to Egypt. Go to verse 26. I don't know. But these guys are carrying all this food. And then Judah said to his brothers, okay, so now all of a sudden, Reuben was the spokesman. And now, we talked about this, you guys. Judah is the line of Christ. And he says, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? So maybe there's hope in what Judah's saying. And then he goes to verse 27. Ah, come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and let's not lay a hand on him. For he's our brother, our own flesh. And they agreed. Like, it's okay. Like, oh, because he's our brother, if we don't kill him, let's just sell him. And strangely enough, the brothers agreed. Here's the craziest. You ready for this one? Two commentators, Kiel and Dalich. What they are doing right now is they are casting out a member of the seed promised. They are specifically saying, let's remove one of the 12 tribes and let's give it away. They're intentionally, now remember this this picture here. This is supposed to be the side that's good, you guys, not Esau's side. And they're saying, let's let's give away the seed. Let's sin against God in all of the promises. And they're okay with it. Kidnapping was just as much of an offense, Constable says, as murder. Just as bad. And Judah says, Sell him. Sell our brother. Let's get rid of him. And in verse 28, scripture continues on. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers, they pulled Joseph out of the pit. I don't know if they had a rope or not. And they sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. This 20 pieces of silver, 
This was very common because when you're in the ages of five and 20 years old, if you were to be sold as a slave, this was always the price for 20 pieces of silver. So they're even doing things ethically by selling people for the appropriate price. But what's interesting is, is that they think that when they sell him as a slave, they'll never see him again. That is where they went wrong. Kevin, can you go to Proverbs 21, verse 30? They forgot, as Constable says, that God is always in control. That regardless of their plans, no wisdom, no understanding, and no counsel will prevail against the Lord. God is still going to trump Joseph being sold to Midianite traders. God is still going to trump brothers who try to get rid of the seed because you can't get rid of the seed if it's of the Lord. And I think this is an incredible picture of what begins to happen. Verse 29, when Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He was in complete distress. What has happened? He went to his brothers in verse 30 and he said, the boy, the boy is gone. What am I going to do? I'm the oldest. I'm the one responsible. Now what am I supposed to do? In verse 31, they took Joseph's robe and they slaughtered a young goat and they dipped the robe in its blood. And I love this comment from Dr. Tom Constable. He says, Jacob deceived his father with the skin of a goat. And now his sons were deceiving him with the blood of a goat. Think about this. All of this deception, it just catches up with you. You can't run from your sin. I'm telling you, it will constantly keep up. And then in verse 32, then they sent the robe of many colors to the father. And in other words, they didn't even have the the courage (laughs) the chutzpah they didn't have it they sent somebody else a servant to their father and they said we found this examine it is it your son's robe or not yeah can't believe this they're such chicken they wouldn't even do it but proverbs 28 verse 13 proverbs 28 verse 13 It's a crazy proverb. Solomon writes this really well. The one who conceals his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. It's like these guys thought, oh yeah, we'll just hide what we did and the the robe and the jacket and the blood and the goat. It'd be fine. (laughs) Oh man, verse 33, his father recognized the robe. He said, it's my son's robe. He said, a vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. This vicious animal, as one commentator said, was 11 brothers. 11 brothers were the ones who were heartless and wanted to kill their brother. In verse 34 of Genesis 37, Jacob, the father, no longer is he called Israel in this context. Tore his clothes. It just switches back and forth. And Jacob tore his clothes and he put sackcloth around his waist and he mourned for his son many days. Dare I say, Kevin, can you go to Genesis 42, 36? Dare I say he mourned for 20 years. Genesis 42, verse 36. After all of this discussion with their brothers and Joseph goes on ahead, their father Jacob said to them, you've deprived me of my sons. Remember this? The sons come back to the to, to Jacob and say, hey, You know, we've encountered and Joseph is gone and Simeon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin. Everything happens to me. He's still dealing 20 years later with the loss of Joseph. So when it says this morning for days, I would just say it's just beginning. 
And in verse 35 of Genesis 37, all his sons and daughters, they tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Now, I'm, I promise you, I'm not trying to make light of this. I, I don't know what this looks like. I, you know, the sons and daughters, they just sat there and he says, get away from me. Or they're like, can I, can I hug you, dad? No, I don't want any hugs. Or can we sit down and eat together? I don't want to. It's just, I felt like he just... I don't want anything. He says, I'll go down to Sheol and my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Why? Because Jacob, Israel knew that Joseph had an important role. Kevin, I'm going to wing this here for a second. First Chronicles 5. I want to see if that's the verse, verse 12. First Chronicles 5. Sorry, First Chronicles 5, 2, not 12. I'm sorry. Although Judah became strong among his brothers and a ruler came from him, the birthright was given to Joseph. There is something about these two right here. And I, I really believe that Kevin, when you go back, his father wept for him. He knew there was a depth to Joseph. And in closing, in Genesis 37, verse 26, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot here. Um, now I want to wrap this up, but I, I'm, there's two ways to take this. One is is that we know that Joseph obviously is an illustration of Christ. Okay, We know that Wearsby says, uh, and I think these are really powerful points, we know that Joseph was an illustration. He was beloved by his father and obedient to his will. We also know, Wearsby says, that Joseph was hated and rejected by his own brethren and then even sold as a slave. I really believe that Joseph is a foreshadowing of Christ because he was even falsely accused and unjustly punished. Crazy enough, I believe Joseph is a foreshadowing of Christ, as Wearsby says, because he was finally elevated from a place of suffering to a powerful throne. What you have is, is that even though Joseph had to go through all of this, so did Christ in order to get to this point. And so there's these verses that I believe, uh, Genesis, if you would, Kevin, Genesis 50, verse 20 Joseph says this to his brothers after it's all said and done. It's one of the best verses. I would love to be able to say this someday. In Genesis 50, 20, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good. To bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Joseph was in this lineage to save all of his brothers. So even though Judah, who's in the line, who is the line of Christ, here's the crazy thing. Joseph had to save him. Joseph had to save his brothers. So in a weird way, Judah and Joseph were both essential to the line of Christ. And for that, I think, wow. Kevin, can you go to Daniel 4, verse 35? Daniel 4, verse 35. Again, I want to just show that God is in control. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? God is in control. And if these guys are going to be thrown into a pit, guess what? God says, I got it. It's okay. Because as we close out Romans 8, 28, this is Joseph's heart. And Rich, this is why I challenge our, our five amigos, this little group. I believe Joseph had a pure heart. And scripture says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, he might have been blessed with the the robe. Yeah, he might have been given these dreams. I think it was just because he had a pure heart and he loved the Lord. And God just decided to use him to spare his brothers. And either way, though, 
it's still all a mess. But what I love is, I don't know if I can just say it very simply, God's in control. That seed will not be destroyed. Judah actually wanted to destroy it, and Joseph had to save the line of Judah. Crazy behind all of this. All right, guys, you guys have been a blessing. I can't believe these are getting longer and not shorter. (laughs) You're like, when is he going to end? I'm just telling you, there's so much meat here. And we're only in Genesis 36 and 37. All right, guys, that is lesson 19. We'll join you tomorrow for lesson 20. Thanks. Thanks.